When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs for good times. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Hello, hello, and welcome to another week of the marvelous podcast, Before My Time. I am your fabulous host, Kelsey Laurie. <laughs> and this week, we are joined by none other than Chris Fafalios, who is the bass player of the band Punchline and host of the podcast One Hit Thunder, to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Let's do this. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. All right, Chris, here we go. I was so excited when Matt was like, Chris wants to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I was like, I want to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There is a lot to talk about on this, Gelsey. And I will say that... As a kid, there were a lot of kids that liked Disney stuff. I was never really into the Disney world. I don't know. I I kind of veered towards liking weirder stuff, Nickelodeon stuff, Ren and Stimpy, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe what shaped me liking weird stuff is I loved Willy Wonka from the time I was a little kid. It is the kids movie that I can remember loving. Yeah, I can definitely remember watching it as a kid too. And and it is weird. It's I think it's one of those things and and tell me if you feel the same that if you grow up with it, you just kind of accept it. Like there's these weird films that when you see it at such a young age, you're just like, yeah, this is just this thing. But then as an adult when you go back and rewatch it, 
that's when you're kind of like, what was I? This is a dark movie. It really is. And like you said, it's just this thing that always existed from before we were born. It was mm-hmm. before our time. 1971, to be exact. I was surprised Perfect. that it was that early. 1971. I would have mm-hmm. thought it was mid-70s. And to be honest, after this movie, coming to an age where I started reading books, then I went backwards and, and read all of Roald Dahl's books. My so good. My favorite writer as a kid. But I saw the movie before I ever read any of his books. And Mm -hmm. so that's we're going to get into it probably pretty quick here. But that's why it was so surprising to me how much Roald Dahl did not like the movie. Yeah, he didn't at all because it didn't really stick true to the book. I would say the new um, Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a lot more true to the book. (sighs) And we won't go. We won't go there. (laughs) I guess we got to talk about that, too. But. It's crazy to me how it's not that far off from the book. There are little things. There are little things along the way. And I think maybe the main part was that the book was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And Mm -hmm. Charlie was the main point of the story. But when the movie came out, Willy Wonka was, I guess... Yeah, and it's a better title. I'm sorry. Like, Charlie, that's a cute name. It's even one I've had on a list of possible kid names in the future. Eh, but it's cute. But I I mean, for a box office, be like, come see Willy Wonka. It was just like, that name was never heard of. And so it's such a good, like, attention grabber. Like, well, I don't know what this movie is, but I want to see it. Right. And then you got Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, who, I mean, yeah, you brought up the newer one. And if the old one had never existed, maybe I'd have liked the Johnny Depp. Willy Wonka, but he took it in, in a direction. Gene Wilder. Oh, he's perfect. Could you imagine a better? I mean, I guess we're just used to it, but he played it so perfectly, right? So well. And the choices he made, I listened to um, Gene Wilder's book called Kissing Strangers. And if you do the audio version, it's him reading it. And it mm. is just the sweetest book. Like it made me, I already loved him, but it, I absolutely fell in love with him with this book. And the things he talks about with this film and like what he wanted to do and add where the director's like, don't do that. And he's like, no, I'm going to do that. And it's like, you know, some of the most iconic parts of the movie, say like the, the front flip or somersault when he comes out on the cane and leans forward and does a somersault. The director was like, do not do that. And he was like, I will leave this film if you do not let me do a take like this. And that stayed in the movie because it's so good. Like just that little, those little things like that, that Gene Wilder, I mean, he's just so brilliant and he, he is Willy Wonka. Yeah. Well, that scene, that was his, he he said he'd only accept the role of Willy Wonka on the condition that he could do that scene. And another (laughs) thing that I read that I never knew that scene when he walks out and he has a limp and he has a cane and then he does the somersault. Another thing that I did not know is the actors did not know he was going to do that. So yes, the look of right. surprise on their faces real. is real. And that's awesome. What a decision. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. one of, yeah, that's how we meet the the famed Willy Wonka in this movie. And I think that is so cool. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think where we, where we start in this film. And I think I'm going to just start with one of my favorite parts of the film that I always talk about. And my family always talks about is uh, the grandparents all in one bed. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. Nothing right? better. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's a couple things here because I'm sure you have notes and whatnot. But a everyone loves you know first of all that's that's a sign of poor. They're poor because four people have to be in one bed, and I kind of love that over, I don't know, exaggerated thing. But also, Grandpa Joe, like if you've been in bed that long, 
you will not walk. Your muscle, what is it called? Um, atoph- atrophy. Atrophy. Or- atrophy, yeah. atrophy, muscle atrophy. Like he, you would just get up and crumble and he gets up and dances. Right. It's a Willy Wonka miracle. Yeah, that's the thing is, first of all, they're so poor that <laughs> you also have four bedridden grandparents all in the same bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the thing in recent years that we... I don't know. I had never heard anyone talk about it. It was only in recent years. And there's a few friends I have who will constantly still to this day post about Grandpa Joe and how, you know, this backlash against Grandpa Joe, like, oh, Grandpa Joe, (laughs) you were bedridden. You couldn't even move. You couldn't contribute to the family until you got the golden ticket. Now you can magically walk, do a dance, uh, sing this song, go on this tour like everything's fine. Grandpa Joe really comes out looking bad. And we're not even getting into one of the differentiations from the book, but the fizzy lifting drinks, which Grandpa Joe, what a bad influence. Let's drink the fizzy lifting drinks and get almost get ourselves kicked out of the factory. Grandpa Joe does not look good in retrospect. Grandpa Joe, you are a troublemaker, a con artist. Mm-hmm. It's true. He he really could have been working hard to feed. And uh, something I'd like to add along with bedridden grandparents is this poor mother, you know, she's not only working her ass off to have the only income coming to feed six people, and one mm-hmm. of them being a growing boy, but she has to like change their diapers. Like if they can't get out of bed, they're all shitting themselves. <sighs> and so she's also playing like a nursemaid to four elderly. She's probably giving them sponge baths. And so that's even more of a dick move on Grandpa Joe when, you know, he's letting her change his diaper and he's like, I totally could go work right now, but I don't want to. The Bucket family situation was not good. That's what we've established at the beginning of this movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, we get some of just from the start. I mean, we got to get into the music of this movie, which is another thing where I'm like, mm. Roald Dahl, are you kidding me? Th- this. Yeah. OK, your book didn't have Slugworth. Your book didn't have the fizzy lifting drinks. And maybe this movie's a little Willy Wonka centric instead of Charlie centric, which I don't even necessarily agree with. I think Charlie is a major part of this movie. We follow Charlie the whole beginning. Like we don't even see Willy Wonka until right. a chunk of the film. in. yeah, I, it's very Charlie centric. Yeah, but we get the Candyman right off the start, which I Ugh. didn't. That was the only song that actually became a hit song when St- Sammy Davis Jr. did a version of it a year later. But we get the Candyman right off the start to an amazing collection of songs, which we'll get into it. I think maybe one or two songs in this movie are some of the greatest songs ever. Songs written. ever. Yes, I agree. It, so I didn't know the Candyman. This it was written for the film. Yeah, yeah, right. It, and some, I, I, I hate to say this. But I didn't know that there was a Sammy Davis Jr. version. I only know the, oh, the really? version. I didn't. And the Sammy Davis Jr. version was a number one hit that spent it was three huge. weeks. Three huge. weeks at number one in 1972. And for some reason, I don't know it. And also, why? What, what about this in 1972? I mean, we're, we're in Vietnam. Why is the, the Candyman the number <laughs> hey. one song? Because the art of distraction, everyone's like, I'm tired. A song about candy. You know what? I'm going to listen to this. Right. That's like when I'm overwhelmed and stressed, I watch like the simplest, stupidest, lightest cartoons or something because I'm just like, I just need an escape. So maybe maybe Sammy Davis Jr. singing Candyman was was the U.S. escape everyone needed. It's what the world needed. Okay. So we got to talk real quick about 
the other options for Willy Wonka at the time, uh, which it's interesting to think about. Fred Astaire was considered for the role. Oh, interesting. What a different movie that would have been. Yeah. Peter Sellers reportedly begged Roald Dahl for the role because Roald Dahl was involved in this movie. He was supposed to write the screenplay, but then he did a bad job of it. He delivered a incomplete screenplay and they had to be like, what the hell? Huh. Interesting. It was crazy to me that the movie only had a $3 million budget. I say only, but only $3 million. I mean, I guess it's 71. So that's a little more than, you know, like you got to... It's more than what we think of today, but still it's because the set design on this movie is incredible. The chocolate room alone. How Mm -hmm. did you do that? I mean, that had to be a million dollars of the budget, right? There's an entire chocolate river. Yeah. Unless they just like, I don't know, a couple decorations from the Dollar Tree and spoof them up and then dye the river dark. I've done it before. People were like, wow, my birthday party looks great. I'm like, (laughs) 99 cent store. Well, here's the thing. One third of the props in that chocolate room were actually edible. (laughs) Apparently the river was water with food coloring. And apparently based on the actors and people that worked on the movie, it smelled terrible. That's that's the rumor on the street is it smelled very, very bad, which is funny. And also apparently Gene Wilder said that the kid who played Mike TV was a little brat. (laughs) I do remember reading that. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not surprised. Like if you would tell me all of those kids, I think he would be my first guess of being the little dick on set. More than Veruca Salt, man. She played it. I think she's just a good actress. Like to me, she comes across from like, this girl's good. And but Mike TV, it's like too true. I'm like, oh, that's really this kid. Veruca Salt, I grew up, like that was a bad name in my house. Like anytime my sister and I were being bratty <laughs> or I want this, that my mom would be like, don't be a Veruca. And oh, that would shut us down so quick. So quick. Well, do you want to talk about these songs? We got to talk about some, I do, some I of do. these songs. Uh, Candyman, we, we get that right off the top. Not even my favorite. I'm surprised that's the one that became the hit. Charlie's mom sings Cheer Up, Charlie. Um, that one was always the one I fast forwarded. I was like, mm-hmm. oh God, shut up. I mean, as a kid, you're just like, don't care. Right. It's a sweet song. Yeah, it's all right. But I've it's got like, a golden ticket. That's when I started to get excited. <laughs> that is a great, I mean, and then obviously that's when we get Grandpa Joe skipping around, but that is a catchy tune. Yeah. It made me want a golden ticket for sure. Did I you? did want a golden ticket. Yeah. I definitely that I'm not a big just like plain chocolate bar. I love chocolate, but something about just like a big bar of chocolate, especially as a kid, I didn't like it. And every time I watch this kid a movie as a kid, like I just wanted a bar of chocolate. And I think it's because secretly I was like, maybe there's something inside. Yeah, man. Could you imagine? And then speaking of, can you imagine what I think is the best song of maybe possibly ever? It's one of them, right? I've heard it covered by so many people. Just recently, there's this uh, female solo artist named. I think her name's Kathleen who did it. It came up on like a playlist who did a cover of pure imagination. That is mm-hmm. just, Oh man. Wow. I'm friends with some guys in a band in Southern California. If you're around uh, check them out, they're called fat cat swingers. Awesome swing band. And they do a really cool version of it. And I just love every time they play it. I'm like, Oh, it just makes it so, and it's such a magical song. It's such a hopeful. I don't know. There's just such a charm and, and Gene Wilder, the song alone and hearing the covers they're all great. And the song is can stand alone, but you add the way Gene Wilder sings it and how he acts through it. And his, and it's just, you get so lost in his eyes. At Mm -hmm. least I do. Like he's not a a heartthrob kind of a person, 
at all, but I absolutely just fall in love with him in a lot of his films. And, and this moment is one of them that you just, um, oh, I love him. Yeah, it's hard to explain it. He's definitely got a real mystique about him in this movie. He, yes. Yeah, even the kind of crazy hair to the side. It's just like he's, you know, this wacko, but there's, it's so, it pulls you in and it's it's the charm with the any minute. And then it kind of, you know, he has the kooky mystery in the beginning when you meet him and his little rhymes and his flute and, and okay, behind these walls and this, that, and, and it pulls you in. And then when he sings this song, there's such a, it's almost like he's reflecting on his childhood and just his dreams and what he really deeply wanted to give to the world with this chocolate factory and everything. And then there's moments of, the kind of wacky, scary, like, mm -hmm. okay, this guy's a sociopath moments of like when they're on the boat and he's singing oh. and, you know, and, and even when he breaks and gets mad at Charlie, it's just the colors and dynamics and levels he gives and depth of, of Willy Wonka is just incredible. Yeah. It's borderline this Peter Panish type yes. guy mixed with seriously like serial killer. It's, yeah, and there are articles. It's there if you Google Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka serial killer question mark. That was one of the pop downs, and it's true because he's like kind of like just killing all these kids. Yeah, right. I think it was AFI. AFI did a top hundred scariest movies of all times, and I think Willy Wonka. It might have been in the top ten, but I know it was top twenty. Maybe it made it on the list. And you're thinking Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory. These are all horror films, and they kind of go through, and they're like, this movie's terrifying. You know, he like brings all these children into his candy and then and lures them into these horrible situations where he knows they're going to fail and they all are getting blown up to blueberry size or drowning in chocolate factor or rivers and, and it is kind of in the the boat scene with the oh. crazy images being displayed and the yeah. you know centipede and snake and the there's no way of knowing yeah. which way they're, and it's just manic it is it's scary <laughs> the boat ride is it's terrifying unbelievable it is so scary <laughs> and that song is so haunting and i'll tell you when i rediscovered that song as a teenager i don't know if you've ever heard the marilyn manson version of that it was wait no you don't know about this the first, no the first track on the first marilyn manson album is marilyn manson's version of the the boat ride Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Recent Marilyn Manson things aside, you know, this was, didn't really know a lot about him, but that was my first impression of Marilyn Manson. I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And I think at that point, it may have reinvigorated, I don't know, my love of Willy Wonka or something, but mm -hmm. I went back and I'm like, wow. That is an amazing scene. Like, I, I, whatever you know that everyone's terrified. Yeah. And then, and then it's the stop the boat, and you're and it in. just. What I love about it too is again back to his like sociopathic. I mean, this is kind of the big first time you're like, oh, he's not mysterious. He's not kooky or crazy or whatever. The you know, it's kind of like this is psychotic behavior because they're in 
pain watching these things and fear, the fear, mm-hmm. and they're begging him to stop. And it almost the more they beg him to stop, the more intense he gets, which is like a clear um characteristic of a psychopath or sociopath of getting off on someone being in fear <laughs> or pain. And it's he's just the more it revs him up. It's almost like he's getting excited, the fact that they're scared. And it's um it's so great. And I, I love with the boat. I do love Veruca and before, you know, she's like, daddy, I want a boat like that. And right after the first exchange, daddy, I don't want a boat like right. that. And just, I love that line. She is really good in this movie. We should, we got to talk about who, who we got on this journey because we got, yes. obviously we got Charlie and grandpa Joe. Yeah. Really, grandpa really Joe Wonka. We got Veruca Salt, who is ridiculously spoiled. She's rich, mm-hmm. spoiled. Uh, she is who had, so her family just had, thousands and thousands of people opening chocolate bars till she finally got one. Right. That was her. To get her golden ticket. Mm-hmm. We got Violet Beauregard who mm-hmm. she just really liked to chew gum a lot. Was that her, was that her defining quality? I think so. She was just a gum chewer. And isn't that like, she's like, I normally get gum, but this time I decided to get a chocolate bar. And she was yeah. always, ugh, she's really annoying to me. The girl I, played I, her did great and it's, but she's an annoying, like I, I don't like her. Is it just that she's a know-it-all? Is that her yes, personality I think trait? She is a know-it-all. I feel like she's like that know-it-all one-upper. You would think Veruca is, and she kind of is, but yeah, Violet's more of that like annoying know-it-all, and like the gum chewing just like puts it over for me, where I'm like, ugh. Okay, so she's blueberry. Just, she's just annoying. That is her. Yeah. Veruca is spoiled. Violet is Violet's annoying. annoying. Um, Augustus Gloop. <laughs> Love uh, Augustus. He is just slovenly is he the rep- he's gluttonous he's gluttonous, gluttonous. gluttony yeah, yeah are these supposed- i wonder if i just how many kids are there oh my there's, god i just there's five kids four you know we got charlie and four other kids are we trying to okay, figure out right. if they're each a sin a sin <laughs> that just hit i was like this could be a thesis paper all right here's a theory how the yeah. seven sins are displayed in charlie and the chalk i guess no one's like lustful never mind okay. yeah i well the so, father isn't one of the fathers like kind of pervy. Maybe to one of the moms? And, and aren't they their lust for something here, right? That's uh, true. Their lust for, um, as Iggy Pop would say, lust for life. No, it's a lust for like winning. Yeah, I think almost, that maybe getting maybe the ma- thing that's the best, like being I get chocolate, I get to go inside the factory, yeah. I get to be the first. It's. I kind of like the that. crazy people that stand in line for things to be, they got to be the first one to buy the new iPhone or. Right. I mean, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that the seven deadly sins are represented in this movie, but we, you know, I don't know what all they are. I mean, then Augustus Gloop, definitely gluttonous. Mike mm-hmm. TV. He's also annoying. Producer but... Matt jumping, jumping Uh-oh. in. Cause I here looked it up there. There's an article here. Uh, how the seven deadly sins are represented in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Augustus is gluttony. Violet is pride. Veruca is greed. Mike TV is mm. sloth because he spends all day mm-hmm. watching TV. Okay. It says Charlie represents lust. He wants a golden ticket more than anything. He lusts over it. He keeps close tabs on how many golden tickets are constantly left, thinking about mm. how others who get their tickets first don't deserve them. Uh, Wrath would fall under Willy Wonka as a maniac with an explosive temper. And then uh, Grandpa Joe representing Envy. That works. 
I love that. I love like the metaphorical, you know, it's kind of, you can do that with Peter Pan too. I know it's like Tinkerbell's envy and Wendy represents love and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you, you started saying things and I was like, wait a minute, is Willy Wonka a mirror of the seven sins? This is fun. Yeah. Mike TV, but his, yeah, his whole thing is, um, he just loves, watches TV. Yeah, I guess. Well, anyway, the, the boat ride ends, the scary boat ride ends and we're, yes. we're in the, chocolate room where when you're watching this as a kid you're like oh my god i don't know i tried it i guess i've thought about what would i run to first what would i eat first and there were some giant gummy bears on the trees i might go for one of those um there is i know as a kid i watched it thinking about like what would i eat but oh totally how could you his little tulip teacup and then he eats it that always looked appealing to me yeah those do look good what what little drink is inside his little tulip cup but of course augustus goes straight straight to the river which is really funny considering that apparently that was just really smelly water with food coloring in it (laughs) and you know willie proclaims that his water cannot be touched by human hands Probably should have gave him a heads up there, but uh, that's he's our first victim. He's the the first victim of this <laughs> borderline murderous Willy Wonka. He is, and it's the first appearance of none other than the Oompa Loompas. The Oompa Loompas. What are your feelings on Which, the Oompa Loompas? How, <laughs> I, I I like to you know not get too. Um, are, are Oompa Loompas PC anymore? Can, well, that, are they okay? It's, I think they are. I mean, it's interesting. Like, what are they? I know there's articles about this on the internet. Are they there we'll get into that. on their own accord? Do they, are they like slaves that I think that's been speculated, you know, that, that I know, like, isn't the story that he like rescued them from like whatever land he felt found them and he like gave them a home in his, factory and like feeds them and this that but at the same time like i feel like he's kind of like holding it over their heads being like i saved you so you better work or right i mean it's that yeah they're doing all the work right <laughs> so i i don't know the the oompa loompa songs i think i like the oompa loompa songs they're they're pretty funny they're I, weird as hell i love the oompa loompa songs they're it's creepy but they're they're catchy and i love their little choreography which Another thing, not only are they working really hard in the factory all day, they have to have time for Oompa Loompa rehearsals. So they're like, guys, we need to be prepared if a kid comes in here and eats shit. Right. <laughs> well, I guess literally chocolate, that's funny. Because um, we need to we need to be prepared. Right. Five, six, seven, eight. I like to think of those things. Well, th- this is interesting, too. So now at this point in the movie, we're just, we're just getting started. We've already had the boat ride. We've already had a kid who, is he going to die? We don't know. You know, Augustus Gloop is stuck in the in the tube and gets that stu- terrified me as a kid. Oh yeah. I was always so scared to like get maybe that's why I didn't like interclosed water slides. Oh my god, I've never put that in together. I'm fine with them now, but as a kid I was scared. Wow. And I think it reminded me of that. Well, I'd never thought of that. Oh, anyways. Okay. You're afraid of getting glooped. <laughs> you don't want to get Augustus. I glooped. am afraid of getting glooped. Uh, Augustus, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I always say that if I have a big spoon of chocolate or like <laughs> Yeah, Augustus's parents are pretty great. I will say that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> this is interesting though. So now at this point in the movie, we've already had the boat ride and we've had this terrifying moment with Augustus Gloop. One of Roald Dahl's problems about the movie is that he was infuriated by the plot deviations and considered the music to be saccharine, sappy, and sentimental. 
And what? I mean, I don't think that boat ride song was very saccharine, sappy, or sentimental. I mean, I could see pure imagination being that way, I guess. I love it. That's like it. the only one, and maybe the Candyman, and okay, like, cheer up, Charlie, but like the Oompa Loompa songs? Yeah, they're creepy, right? They're creepy as fuck. Yeah, they're teaching a Especially lesson. when they get, like, the good angles, and they're, like, coming in on, like, the camera, like. Yeah. It's, and they're just orange, and they're little, like, puffballs on their shoes, and they little kick their feet, and it's creepy. It's evil as hell. It definitely is. Could could be taken that way. You could definitely do one of... I'm sure this exists, actually. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it does. You could re-edit a trailer for this movie and make it out to be a horror movie. You know how they do that? A horror film? Yeah, I've, I, I'm sure they have. Yeah, I've seen one with Mary Poppins, and they make it look like a horror film, and it's they're great. It would probably be the easiest one to do ever. Yeah, because it's already... And it is. It's like the Oompa Loompas come in, and it's not even their, like... It's so nonchalant and not even a second guess that they have to come and take these kids away in the state that the children are in. It's just like, oh, no, another Tuesday. Right. And it's kind of like, how much does this happen in here? Are you secretly bringing in guests? And like, it's just like, oh, cleanup time, right. which kind of adds to the eeriness of it. Sociopathic, for sure. It's, yeah. It doesn't doesn't phase anybody, uh, especially Wonka and the Oompa Loompas. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Hey, our next... Now, this borderline might be the best song. Veruca Salt, She Wants a Golden I Goose. Love, I want a golden I goose. I love this song. <laughs> and Geeses, gooses. Gooses, Geeses, I want a goose that lays golden eggs for Easter. And by the way, I... <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to party. She just, oh, she does this one so good too. Speaking of like manic to in the song, I'm going to scream. Oh. And then comes to, I want the world. And just re calms down. Like it's just that bratty. She does it so well. So good. It is such a good performance of the song. And... Mm -hmm. I just think it's so funny when Willie's telling the parents, like, no, she can't have one. And they're like, what do you mean, Wonka? Name your price. It's like, no, she can't have one. And, and just watching her freak out and, and be the bad egg. But that song, that song hasn't left my head since I was a child. That song is stuck in my head, you know. Yes. And a million bedrooms and a da -da 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 -da. Give it to me now. Oh, my God. So good. <laughs> yeah, so amazing. So good. Yeah. Kelsey, we got to give a shout out. We can't, we, the, the writers of this, of the music, it's two people, Leslie Bricuse and Anthony Newley wrote the musical numbers. And then Walter Scharf arranged and conducted the orchestral score. Man, they need a little clap. For they, them. Need, that, they, they need more like notoriety. Notoriety. It's makes me sad when I see like such great work and I'm like, I've never heard those names before. It, yeah. Right. It's crazy. And on top of that, 
I don't want to get into this too much, but when they remade the movie, which, by the way, by the way, <laughs> Roald Dahl liked the new version. Oh, interesting. I feel like the new version hit, like, the the mood. I will say this. The mood of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory felt more like a Roald Dahl mood, if that makes sense. Because I did read his books, too, as a kid. And that this kind of dark, zany, even, like, his illustrations, something did feel like in the... I don't know. Does that make sense to you? And I, I don't know what it was for me. I, I will say I liked it. I did like it. But what I do with a lot of remakes is I don't look at it as they're trying to do one better mm-hmm. or they're trying to be like, oh, no, it's a reimagining. It's kind of like if you put on Macbeth and how many theaters have put on Macbeth and people do different takes on it and versions. And it's like, oh, I saw this really cool version of Macbeth where like everyone was in combat boots. I don't know. Like, you know, it's kind of a just, it's someone's being like, oh, I, I love that version. And that's the OG, but it inspired me to see like, what could I do with it? And I, I kind of take movies and remakes like that, unless I really hate them and then I'll just rip them to shreds. But I, I liked it. I just took it as a very different film. I don't even compare. I get that. Because you can't. I get that. I haven't watched it in a while. I guess I didn't hate it, but not having these songs in it. It's not like it. the movie made like new versions of these songs. These songs have nothing to do with it. The Oompa Loompa songs, it was all, all the Oompa Loompas were that same guy. And yeah, the songs weren't memorable to me like these songs were. Are you kidding me? One of them were the Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop. Uh, I used to always sing that one. I don't know why it's, it got stuck in my head, but I don't really, yeah, the songs I aren't memorable, but I see, this is where I, I don't think they should have used the songs because then it would have been too much of a, they're trying to redo it when I think it was just, they really needed to separate it and be like, we're going to even change the title to the book's title of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and change the story to this version or, you know what I mean? Like just completely, I think if they had done that and then use the songs, it'd been like, well, what are you doing here? Like, I, got you. I I think that would have made me go, ew, instead of just completely making a completely different movie. I got you. I got you. And I'm, yeah. I, I, I guess I shouldn't be a hater. It's kind of Johnny Depp doing the Johnny Depp thing that he did. Yeah, a lot. which <laughs> I, I like the Johnny Depp thing. Like, I'm someone that I'm just like, yeah, maybe that's not the great. Like, a lot of sequels are like this, that comedies, this, that. And everyone's like, well, it was just like the same thing that the first one did. And I was like, yeah, but I enjoyed the first one or that character saying, I mean, I think Austin Powers is beyond brilliant, but you know, some people be like, Oh, gold members. It's just doing the same jokes and this, that. And I was like, but I want to see more of those. Mm-hmm. I, I could sit and watch Mike Myers for hours, just do the same thing over and over. So I kind of feel that way with Johnny Depp. I'm like, eh, I, I like his take on things. I think it's fun. Gotcha. It's not a Johnny Depp movie. I watch over and over and I, I haven't seen it in a while either, but I watched it once and I was like, that was fun. Yeah. And put it away. Okay. I, I, but I will rewatch Willy Wonka over and over. Oh yeah, I've seen it so many. There times. lies the difference. Like the back of my hand, yeah. I know all the all the plot points. Next plot point, obviously, we got your favorite Violet Beauregard. Actually, I should say this: I don't know where the fizzy lifting drink part comes into play. I think it's is that after Violet or before Violet? It's somewhere around here. I do know it's after Veruca. Yeah, because it's. Once they go on the um the little car that takes them that gets them like the soap the and they're all like covered in soap right but that's I think that's only Mike TV his mom and Charlie and Grandpa in well, the car. Well, we just got a note from point. from producer Matt Kelly that says after Veruca before Violet, so it is here got the fizzy lifting okay. drink part between the girls and apparently. Okay, so Slugworth we haven't talked about Slugworth which was in oh, the yeah. book. 
he is always showing up when people are getting their golden tickets, whispering something, basically trying to get them to do something. Was it that he wanted them all to grab an everlasting gobstopper? Yeah, he asked. He asks them all to bring him a everlasting gobstopper, and I I want to say he bribes them. Like, if you do it, I'll give you money. Mm, right. Kind of a thing. Trying to weed out um, the bad seeds. I mean, there has to be a reason. He's not just going to be like, hey, bring it to me. Yeah, because we do hear the conversation. So we see him every time they win. He's whispering, whispering. And you're like, who is this guy? What is he saying? And then he corners Charlie in that kind of dark alleyway. Mm-hmm. And we actually hear his pitch. Right. And I, I want to say he's like, I'll make your family rich. Or it, there's there's a financial yeah, yeah. return, which for Charlie is very obviously appealing because he po. Yeah, so, for sure. And, you know, he's like, I can either be a good person or help my family. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, so apparently Matt says Slugworth is a rival candy maker trying to steal Wonka's secret for the candy. That's the story he's telling the kids. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. Okay. I love how we love this movie so much. And then there's <laughs> obvious plot points like this. Right. I'm like, I don't remember. Right. I'm waiting for the songs. But Grandpa Joe, the bad influence that he is insists that they drink these fizzy lifting drinks and they almost get chopped up by a propeller at the top before they realize they can burp and lower themselves. Burp it down. down. Yep, they burp back down. Which I always thought was so gross when I was little because I was a little girl and I was like, ew. But that, that... I didn't like Charlie when I was little because I was a little girl and I was just like, ew, Charlie, he's like, yeah. Now I now I think he's adorable. Yeah, he's a cute kid. I'm a grown woman. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Aw, what a cute kid. Yeah. Uh, they narrowly escape getting chopped up by a giant propeller or whatever you call it, fan blade on the ceiling. And then we're off to the Violet Beauregard part where it's gum that tastes like entire meals. And Violet's all about the gum. And she tries. This sounds like the worst. Yeah. The worst piece of candy in the whole factory. (laughs) Anything else. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yum. Yeah. And this one, I'm just like, ew. Yeah. She's tasting all kinds of entire meals in this one piece of gum. But. It's an untested piece of gum, and she blo- during the dessert, which I believe was dessert. blueberry pie, she blows up like a giant mm-hmm. blueberry, and the Oompa Loompas come back. My favorite. Violet, you're turning violet. You're turning violet, violet. Violet, violet. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and we get her rolled out. We get another Oompa Loompa song. So all, all we got left is Charlie and Mike TV Mike. and his family. And uh, at some point, I think now is when we see the everlasting everlasting gobstopper at some time and Charlie swipes one i think that had been that had been before cuz i think we see veruca swap oh. get one too so i think it's before they go to the golden goose cuz i remember they you know he gives them all one and is like it's very secret this that and they show behind the kids backs they're uh, i think it's veruca that has her fingers crossed behind her back right. cuz they're all planning on being little assholes gotcha gotcha okay so yeah. and then so now mike tv and mm-hmm. Mike TV ends up getting shrunk down with this new technology. Yeah, it's the new technology that they can take the giant, which is just so over the top, ridiculous, no point, which I love it because yeah. that's kind of what this whole factory is. And they take the giant, giant, giant size candies and they can TV transport the candy bar to then become a normal size on the TV that you could actually grab, which would be kind of dope. Like, I mean, we'd all have to buy special TVs, but wouldn't that be cool if you're like watching a commercial? And then you can just go up and just like take the food. Yes. And you're like, Hell yeah. Yes. 
So that would be really cool. And then, and then Mike is like, well, I, if you can do a candy bar, why can't you do me? Cause he's obsessed with TV and he's like, this would be great. Right. And he gets shrunk down. And this is my favorite Oompa Loompa song. Cause I love them in the, the white jumpsuits with their hoods on. And then the, the filming of this one where they kind of go up, I think this is the one where they do the, you never know, you never know. And they're all like spinning yeah. <laughs> and then they go into a nice like step kick little sequence. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right. And I think that might be the last appearance of the Oompa Loompas that we see because then um, mm-hmm. we got Charlie left and it's time to go. Wonka's in his office where everything is yes. half of everything, which is very, I don't know. That's kind of like, disturbing in a way and weird yeah yeah it's definitely very strange and we see wonka very quickly like very furiously writing something and he's very i don't know he's an asshole he's a total asshole and it's he is he is an asshole to charlie and uh i love when he's like where are we going the tour is over good day sir you get nothing (laughs) like oh yeah that's right it's so good calls him out on stealing the fizzy lifting drinks Mm -hmm. you get nothing and then we get that magical moment where charlie hands the gives back the the gobstopper and man i'm getting chills just thinking about it (laughs) i know it is it's like the sweetest moment and that's that's another thing that gene wilder's just so amazing at is that switch of yelling at this kid and this that and then his the way he switches to the Charlie, you did it. And it's, he wanted him to be the winner so bad. And it was, it's just such a, oh, it's such a great I, I got to look this up, Kelsey. What is the quote that he says when he, what does Willy Wonka say when he sets it down? He says something. So when Charlie gives him the gobstopper, Wonka to himself kind of says very quietly, so shines a good deed in a weary world which is which is really cool and then that's it's so relevant yeah and then that's when the excitement begins we get in the elevator to lead to that amazing final scene when when wonka's like i'm giving you the chocolate factory everyone move in we get this amazing ride through the sky oh what an ending and uh actually roald dahl wrote an entire book an entire other book charlie in the great glass elevator about the adventure that right. go on after there is actually a part two a movie was never made which probably a good thing that that movie was never made. i think that's a good thing yeah this is as much as i was, was talking about how i love sequels for some things that i love because i want to just keep seeing these characters you know what also i love just letting a good thing be its good thing and don't leave them wanting more i wonder if the other grandparents once they get the good news that they have this whole factory and all the money if they will magically walk as well and be like well shit i would assume that (laughs) i would assume they do (laughs) i would think they do yeah and i always wondered with the elevator as a kid because obviously you can see it's on like a cable and flying around i was like there has to be some giant willy wonka crane Mm -hmm. above i know it's magic but like no and so does no one notice this giant crane just waiting with a cable over their town no one talks about that and be like i mean i guess they're just like oh the wonka factory i always assumed it was magic but what what do i know it seemed like there was a lot i was always like what is it attached to oh my god that used to drive me crazy i'm like how (laughs) if it just like flew magically i'd be like oh it's magic but the fact that it's like swinging i was like it's hanging from something oh i didn't really put that together but uh it has to be hanging from something drives me crazy yeah so here we are at the end. This movie was made for $3 million and it made $4 million. This movie made. That's it. This movie made $1 million and 
People like that Roger Ebert gave the movie four out of four stars. He said it's probably the best film of its sort since The Wizard of Oz. It is everything that family mm. movies usually claim to be but aren't. Delightful, funny, scary, exciting, and most of all, a genuine work of imagination. Willy Wonka is such a surely and wonderfully spun fantasy that it works on all kinds of minds. And it is fascinating because, like all classic fantasy, it is fascinated with itself. And um, mm. Quaker Oats owned the rights to the movie somehow. but th- Really? But they sold them to Warner Brothers for $500,000. But it wasn't until the 80s that the film gained popularity due to them showing it on television a lot. I think a la A Christmas Story. You know, like that wasn't a hit movie when it came out, but it's just repeated mm-hmm. shows. There's a lot of those cult. Yeah. Yeah. And then a theatrical totally. re-release in 1996 brought in. 21 million dollars okay there we go yeah so fine that makes sense and that would make sense of my childhood you're around for the 25 year anniversary of it yes i was and it's because it was such a huge film when i was a kid and like we all had it in our collection of vhs and it wasn't so that makes sense they kind of did like a re-release where it became um i just kind of i was going through a few fun facts and i just read something which was kind of what we had said about um the cast didn't know about the kind of going back to the somersault and what Gene Wilder did. Mm. But it um, actually, there was a bunch of stuff that was withheld from them. They hadn't seen the chocolate room. They were never shown before they shot. Oh, wow. So their reaction of seeing it for the first time was actually real. They also didn't know about the darkness of the boat tunnel with the scene. Wow. And Gene Wilder improvised. I know he had the poem, but they didn't know he was going to like sing it the way he did. He made that up and improvised how he did it. Um, and then it said that also... Wilder shocked the cast by playing Wonka more, more anger than he showed in rehearsals. So in rehearsals, he'd play it one way, but when they would <laughs> roll, he would do other things. And they were like, ah, which worked. I mean, obviously it got them the reaction they wanted, but so there's, there was quite a bit of information withheld from them. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of that, you know, Gene Wilder insisting on doing that flip at the beginning was because in his mind, he figured that from that time on, no one will know whether he's lying or telling the truth throughout the rest of the mm-hmm. movie. And I I can't believe with all the things, I guess it not quite big enough of a thing, but think about like the Harry Potter land and the Lego land and the, the you know, things that they have theme park space about. Imagine being able to go to the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. Imagine. <sighs> I'm surprised that's not somewhere. Like I, I, I would some kind of something. That'd be so cool, though. Yeah, Imagine walking down that room where it keeps getting smaller and smaller till you're at that tiny door. That that part is amazing. He opens that tiny door and it opens a giant door. And it's door. this giant. Yeah. And I do love the the piano. The dun, 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 shoot, oh, the, I forget what mom it is. It's my TV. Rock mom it off. Yeah. <laughs> like, know it all. Like, mm. So this is really funny. There is nine men and one woman who made up the cast of the Oompa Loompas. Um, and they were circus performers from England and Turkey. Hey, oh, circus. They were said that a lot of them were really heavy drinkers and would get really rowdy and party. Um, and they liked to prank the other cast members. So someone said that um, in those days, you know, when you wanted your shoes shine to the hotel, you'd leave them outside your front door. And one night all the Oompa Loompas grabbed all the shoes and like tied their laces together and like left them in a pile in the morning. Or they would just like do stupid shit like that. That's funny. Wow. They really, they were true Heavy Oompa Loompas. That, they were true Oompa Loompas. They held true to their character. I like it. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Uh, oh, also we must note this, this movie was filmed in Munich in case you didn't know that. That's where this all. I did not. Was. 
Um, it was directed it's by Mel Stewart, who I looked at his, you know, all his works. The only thing I really knew from the other stuff he did is that he worked, maybe directed the TV show Welcome Back, Cotter, which is where John Travolta got his start, if you've never seen that. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, that's all I really know from him. So it seems like a lot of these people, I they created this masterpiece and I don't know a lot. I mean, it might just be me who doesn't know a lot by them, but uh, you know, otherwise we still have some candies with the Wonka logo on them. Gobstoppers are. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Gobstoppers are, I think there's like Wonka nerds. Yep. Right. I always see those. And then obviously the Wonka chocolate. Yeah. They've, they've become a mainstream brand, which I love. I love that. Someone was like, I'm (laughs) cash in on this opportunity. Why wouldn't you? In general, so what, what are what are our, our closing thoughts on Wonka? I guess, right? I mean, I I still love it. <sighs> okay, do you? Did I ask you who's your favorite child? Oh man, we're we're not putting Charlie in here. I mean, no, no. I no. guess I gotta go with Veruca only because of that song mm-hmm. and her performance and her. She's yeah. she's the ultimate spoiled brat kid ever they there's a band named after her in the 90s that that character is so iconic she's the the most memorable yeah i gotta go with veruca yeah i would definitely say she's my favorite too and again it's that was like a huge uh discipline factor that i grew up with was don't be a veruca and so she she holds a very dear place in my heart yeah it's great i do love her and um my my second question is going on a gene wilder little kick do you think this is his greatest role of all time you know what I guess I need to watch more Gene Wilder movies because he's so good. I know this might this is a top contender for me for sure. Based on what I've and watched, I love, based on what I've seen, yeah. I think it is. I've never seen Young Frankenstein as him, right? I've never seen that. What? I've never seen it. I know it's the thing that you people should watch love. that immediately. What about? I love him in Blazing Saddles. That's my favorite Mel Brooks film. I probably like so. Willy Wonka more than that. But well, yeah. I mean, this is the most like. I mean, he's just. He's so good in this. Yeah, it's like Everything. he's Willy Wonka. I don't think of him as Gene Wilder as much as I think of him as Willy Wonka. And look at even the still to this day, it's the most one of the most popular memes ever is the the mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, uh, whatever the uh, um, uh, the sarcastic Willy Wonka meme is one of the most popular, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, is. Yeah, I do use that one quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah. Overall, I, I think uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, love love this movie. Well, thanks for for bringing this movie onto this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gelsey. Love your pod. Thanks, I appreciate Keep that. Coming. It is mind blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! All right, Gelsey. So as is usually the case when I just let you and a guest go wild, I'm sitting on the couch listening, but also being like, ooh, but you got to make sure you talk about this. But I I don't want to keep interjecting myself into every episode Unless it's like answering a question that is being heavily debated that I can just like solve the answer and keep things Which moving. we highly appreciate. <laughs> um, but obviously, I wanted to jump in talking about pure imagination because mm. just a perfect, beautiful, amazing song. Um, I connect that song. And here's how we're going to wrap it all together. 
All right. I connect that song with the Muppets. Muppets, I knew it, yes. Because season one of the Muppet show, Ben Vereen, when he was on the Muppets, sang Pure Imagination. But my memory of him singing Pure Imagination on the Muppets was this extremely depressing bootleg DVD that my friend borrowed and never returned and now we can't find that I used to have called the Muppets Celebrate Jim Henson, which was a TV special that came out six months after Jim Henson died where the Muppets were given an assignment to put together a special performance for Jim Henson, but none of them know who that is. So they're going through research to figure out who Jim Henson is. And there's a ton of great moments. There's there's one moment where they see a picture of him and Robin, <laughs> Robin goes, oh, I remember him. He was here all the time. And they're like, well, why don't we remember him? And he's like, well, because he was down there and he looks downward <laughs> and and all the Muppets are like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like this beautiful fourth wall break. Um, but I love that kind of stuff. as they're playing like Muppets highlights, they play the clip of Ben Vereen singing Pure Imagination. Mm-hmm. And in the context of thinking about Jim Henson's legacy mm-hmm. and hearing that song, it it really I don't think that we have ever had a person who's been as close to a real life Willy Wonka embodying that song as a Jim Henson. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Who just built this beautiful, crazy world of his own design that everyone mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, That's true. The only other person, and those are really rare people. Of course, you know, I'm a huge Disney fan. So Walt Disney always comes to mind of someone like that when, yeah. Obviously, now people are like, oh, it's such a big corporation, is that? I'm like, it came from one man's mind. Like, it, it the, is. And it's and it's people like that and Jim Henson. It's just, they're, they're, there's very far, far and few in between. And I think the only thing that, that makes me lean more towards the Jim Henson mm-hmm. aspect of it is the, as much as I love Walt Disney, mm-hmm. I always think of Walt Disney as a singular person. And I think of Jim Henson as like, the, the reluctant leader of a group of like-minded human beings. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's like as much as he is the figure of the Muppets, it's like, no, but the Muppets wouldn't work if you didn't have all five of those original mm-hmm. Muppeteers working together and collaborating on everything. So that's the only, that's the only edge I give him. But the other thing, I, and maybe I missed this because you talked about a bunch of the quotes at the end of the movie but did you mention the very last thing that Willy Wonka says in the movie? I don't think so. So they're in their their glass elevator. Mm-hmm. And I always love this quote where he says, did you hear the story about the man who suddenly got everything he ever wanted? And Charlie says, no. And he says, he lived happily ever after. And I think that that is just such a cool line to end mm-hmm. the whole Beyond. Yeah. Oh, that made me all like chills and stuff. I know. I'm a little oh, choked up. Just, I'm going to see, you know, Gene Wilder saying it too, which we already from this episode know I'm have this like mad love for him. Um, also, just got to throw these two things under the boat. Love you, Chris. I mean, you and I both big Chris Fafalios fans. Yeah. How did he, A, not know about the Sammy Davis Jr. cover. I, I actually was Man. like, Burr? I was like, most people, that's why I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that this song was written for the movie because I thought maybe it was already a popular song. Yeah, it was like, oh, this is already reverse. a popular like, song. Let's, let's try to work it into the film. Yeah. yeah. 
and then B, not see young Frankenstein. Right, I know. I was like, Chris, come on. Stay tuned. There will be a, at least a little bit of Young Frankenstein talk later on this month on the podcast. Yes, there will. For sure. But yeah, that was that was a jaw-dropping moment for me. And I don't I don't know. I feel like you and I appreciate Young Frankenstein I think more than even most fans of Young Frankenstein because you mm-hmm. and I love the Frankenstein movies so yes. much and that I mean we that that is an episode all on its own because there's so much to break down about how brilliant that movie Which is. I've like. already told you when I want to do it and we're going to yeah, do it. No, no, we got it's locked and loaded. Don't you worry. But if there was anything else that you and Chris may have mentioned that you didn't know that made the audience just flip their lid, where can they go to tell us, yo, you dummy, <laughs> this is yeah. what that's from. Yeah, DM us on Instagram. Be like, yo, you dummy. This is what... Um, find us on Instagram at beforemytime underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search before my time. We will pop up right on our wall. There you can be like, yo, dummy. It's going to be great. We'll all just have a good little laugh about it. And then I'll go and cry alone in my bathroom like I always do. I appreciate you all for tuning in. And I'd appreciate you a little more if you would just give us a little five-star review. That'd be cool. Anyways, I do love you all. And I can't wait to share more knowledge with you. A funsies. Bye. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.